Paul says that the people heard about faith in Colossus, that church, and that changed everything. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembrick. I'm Janice. This is Bible Discovery TV, taking you through the Bible in one year. And this is December now. This is very exciting. As we focus on this, we're going to be talking about Colossians chapter 1. And take out your Bible guide and get ready. We're going to talk about that in three minutes. Corey and Ryan are here. I'm taking a look at the book of Colossians itself and what we know about it. Ryan? Today, I'm talking about the triumphal procession of Jesus Christ, which Paul refers to in both 2 Corinthians and 2 Colossians 2. All right, very good. Look forward to hearing all of that. What are you doing, Janice? Well, here we are at a Friday again. So that's a question for us all today, anywhere from Galatians chapter 5 through to Colossians chapter 2. All right, take your Bible guide and turn to Colossians as we focus on chapter 1. We're going to talk about this and what does this mean, these first 12 verses. We're going to study that and look at it. So make sure you do. Colossians 1, 1 through 12. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Coloss. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you, as it has also in all the world, and is bringing forth fruit, as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth." as you also learn from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding." that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light." Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 through 12. Colossians chapter 1 and chapter 2 is what we read today when we come on this portion of Scripture. It is very exciting. You know, I often talk about how Christianity gives purpose to life. And the book of Colossians is a great example of how this idea is taught by the Apostle Paul, originally Saul. Now, originally, Colossians was a letter written by Paul to the church at Colossus. And to me, it has two distinct focuses, doctrinal and practical. Now, the overall purpose of the book of Colossians is to highlight Jesus Christ as preeminent, first and foremost, in all that we do. Now, what does that mean? 
Well, this means that the Christian life should resolve and revolve around the work and the message of Jesus Christ. We are rooted in him and are focused on what he wants from us. This is our main life objective. Now, this means that everything we do in our life is impacted. It means that we stop pursuing sinful desires and worldly pleasures. And Jesus is coming back soon. And he brings with him the power to judge the work that we have done individually and collectively. That would be better and very good for all of us to turn our minds towards building the kingdom of God and his work on doing what Christ has told us to do. Doing what Christ has told us to do. You know, so often we are tied up into doing what we want to do. But we need to focus our mind on what does Christ want us to accomplish at this time. That becomes very important. Now, again, I would suggest to you that you take your Bible guide and turn towards what we are studying today, Colossians 1, 1 12. And uh, we're talking about, is God moving? That's something that we're going to look at. And so when we do that, let me just say to you that if you don't have a Bible guide, why not? Call us and write to us and you can get your Bible guide. Another way to do that is go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. And when you go there, click on the Bible guide and it will take you to the place where you can download it as we printed it. So you can have a copy of this Bible guide in your own collection there. And uh, we do that every month so that you can make sure that you're up to date. But remember, if you're not on the mailing list, then at the end of the month, actually right now and up to the end of the month, we're sending out the January Bible guide. Let me tell you, the January guides look great. Uh, we studied and looked at everything and we're doing that all new stuff. And, and it's really fascinating. A little bit change of the format, just a little bit. And I think you'll find it very interesting for the next year. Father, I pray today, as we look at Colossians, that you would help us to see that indeed you are moving. Help us to recognize that because we are so caught in our own ideas and our own thinking that we don't see you. And Lord, you are obvious all around us. So Holy Spirit, help what's in Colossians here to come out to change what's in here because our hearts need to change. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And we said together, amen and amen. Now let's look at the book of Colossians chapter one and discover what God is saying. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Coloss, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. Did you hear that? Because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of truth of the gospels, in the word of truth of the good news, which has come to you as it has also in the world and is bringing forth fruit as it is also among you since the day you heard it and knew the grace of God 
in truth. Now, this is a fascinating reading, but let's look at what it means. Paul heard about the faith of the church at Coloss, taking hold of Christ. They had faith, man. As the church, our faith in Christ is our best testimony to the world. Now, this world is an interesting place. You know, there's a lot going on. Wars being fought, things are happening. But we need to understand that as believers in Jesus Christ, our true citizenship, according to Paul the Apostle, is in heaven. So we understand and know that we are going to be in a better place. But at the same time, we have to work here presenting justice and rightness with God or rightness with God and then justice to the world. I want you to think about that. As a Christian, that's what we need to do. And Paul said to the church at Colossae, he said, I understand your faith and what you're doing, and I'm excited about it. Now, he goes on to say something else in verses 7 and 8. Watch this. As you also learned from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. See, Paul talks about Epaphras, a faithful servant of Christ, and there are people who faithfully communicate what the Lord is doing worldwide. Let me explain something. The Bible, Wycliffe translators, faithful people. All of the Voice of the Martyrs, faithful people. Open Doors Ministries, faithful people. There's many others I haven't listed, don't have time to list them. But let me tell you something. There are faithful people all around the world. I know there's people you see on television. And that's interesting. But the people who are really faithful, doing what God has said, are all over the world. Let me tell you something. They're faithful in Pakistan, where they're facing tremendous, horrible persecution right now. Pray for the persecuted church. Remember, people are all over the world and they're faithful. Paul says that even in his time. Now, 9 to 12 says, For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. In all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That's what the knowledge of his will is. Verse 10, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Verse 11, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy. Verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. What is Paul saying? Very simply, walking worthy of the Lord means to increase our knowledge of God. We should commit all that we do in life to be faithful to God. I always, I ask people the same question all the time. I say, what are you doing in life? They tell me what they do. I said, I, I didn't say that. What are you doing in life? We need to focus our attention on our eternal purpose because God himself has given us an eternal destiny. Let's focus on that and get our minds set on that and go forward. Father, help us to do that today. In Jesus' name. Hi, Rod Hembry. We go through the Bible in one year. It's exciting. It's great. And you can join us by searching Bible Discovery TV on your phone. That's right, on your phone, your iPhone, or your Android phone. 
And when you do so, you'll find the app. You can download the app and watch it anytime you want. Never miss a program right here on Bible Discovery TV. We'll see you there. Welcome back to the program. My segment today focuses in on two different passages. The first is 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, and the second is Colossians 2, verse 15. Now, both of these passages are penned by Paul, and he says in 2 Corinthians 2, 14, But thanks be to God, who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession, and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. Now, this is really quite the imagery, and he uses it again in Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. But have you ever wondered exactly what Paul was picturing here? Well, it would seem that the apostle is comparing our triumph in Christ to a Roman military procession. Check it out. But thanks be to God, declares Paul, who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one we are an aroma that brings death, to the other an aroma that brings life. Here the apostle apparently compares our triumph in Christ to that of a Roman military triumphal procession, which was one of the grandest spectacles of ancient times. In fact, such processions were only granted to a conqueror when certain conditions were met. Included among these was that the victory had to be complete and decisive, and it had to be over a foreign foe. At least 5,000 of the enemy had to have been slain in a single battle, and the conquest had to have extended beyond the territory of the state, and put an end to the war. When all the required conditions were met, then a day was appointed for this grand and very public spectacle. On this day, the temples were all open and decorated with flowers, while incense smoked from every altar. Fragrant odors from burning spices were profusely scattered through the temples and along the streets, loading the air with their perfume. In the procession were the Senate and the chief citizens of the state, who thus by their presence honored the conqueror. The richest spoils of war, such as gold, silver, weapons of every description, standards, rare and costly works of art, and everything that was deemed most valuable by either conqueror or vanquished were carried in open view of the crowded city. The prisoners of war were also compelled to march in the procession. The general, in whose honor the triumph was decreed, rode in a chariot drawn by four horses. His robe was embroidered with gold and his tunic with flowers. In his right hand was a laurel bow, and in his left a scepter, while on his brow there was a wreath of Delphic laurel. Amid the shouts of the soldiers and the applause of the populace, the conqueror was carried through the streets to the Temple of Jupiter, where sacrifices were offered, after which there was a public feast in the temple. It is to this grand spectacle which Paul is no doubt alluding to in this 2 Corinthians 2 passage, and also in Colossians 2.15, where he declares, And God, having disarmed the powers and authorities, made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Paul portrays Christians as captives in Christ's triumphal procession, who spread the aroma or knowledge of him everywhere. And just as the fragrances of the Roman procession were inhaled by both the captives of war doomed to die, as well as the victors, so too will the pleasing aroma of Jesus Christ, the great and ultimate conqueror, be spread among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. 
To the one we are an aroma that brings death, but to the other an aroma that brings life. So Paul pictures Christians as captives in the triumphal procession of Jesus Christ, who are used by God to spread the aroma of the knowledge of Jesus Christ everywhere. This triumph is happening now as we witness to others about the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And just as in the Roman procession, that aroma will be breathed in by both the friends of Christ as well as his enemies, both the condemned and the victors in Christ. And the battle's already won. I mean, just read the end of the Bible. So if you haven't found your freedom in Christ, then what are you waiting for? Please, I implore you, make him your Lord today because tomorrow isn't promised. It, it isn't promised. And as of recent times, we've learned that and we need to pay attention because God is saying to us, crying from the heavens, come to me, all you who ever laden, and I'll give you rest. So if you want to come to Jesus Christ, come to him now and say, Lord, forgive me of my sin. I need you in my life. Be the Lord of my life. I believe you died on the cross and rose again. I give my heart to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, in that name, Lord, I pray. And in Jesus' name, amen. So make sure you pray. That's very, very important. Thank you very much. Corey? So I noticed off the top of the program, we have a tomato-tomato situation happening. <laughs> you say it, Colos, the city of Colos. Is mm. that how? Colos, so, Colosse. I've heard it a few different ways. It is what it is. You're going to have to bear with us today. But Colossians, Colossians is our overall focus. This book, Colossians, is one of four New Testament books that are believed to have come from the time when Paul was in Roman captivity. So this was the imprisonment of Paul in Rome that's described in the end of the book of Acts. So after he has appealed to Caesar and he's finally made his way to Rome after all of those misadventures of storms, shipwrecks, and of course, opportunities to share the gospel along the way. So Colossians as a book is especially connected to Ephesians and Philemon. Now for clarification, Ephesians was written to the city of Ephesus and Colossians was written to Coloss or Colossae. And Philemon was a personal letter uh, to Philemon's house church, which seems to also have been in Coloss. Now Philemon is addressed to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. So Archippus may be Philemon and Aphia's son, or he may be some sort of elder or deacon in their house church. When we jump over to Colossians chapter 4, Paul says in verse 17, Say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. So Archippus, he's that connection there. The connection between the book of Colossians and Philemon actually goes even deeper when you look at the greetings that Paul sends. Uh, he is greeting the Colossians and Philemon's church on behalf of the people who are currently with him. And in both letters, he names the exact same five companions, Arist Aristarchus, Mark, Epaphras, Demas, and Luke. But of course, Colossians does add one more greeting from Jesus, who is called Justice. We also learn from Colossians 1.7 and 4.12 that Epaphras was from Colossus uh, and had actually begun the church there, maybe after hearing Paul preach during his stay in Ephesus, because Paul says he had never actually been to Colossus itself, so that it's Epaphras' connection. But back to the connections between these three books. 
we have to look at who carried the letters from Paul in Rome to these two cities, uh, Ephesus and Coloss. Uh, so F- Ephesians and Colossians named the exact same carrier, Titius. While Philemon, because of its contents, was carried by Onesimus. Remember that Philemon was essentially a letter advocating a repaired and renewed relationship between Philemon and Onesimus. So it makes sense that it would be carried by Onesimus himself. But back to Titius, he was responsible for taking these letters to Ephesus and Colos. And this makes a lot of geographical sense since Ephesus was the closest major urban center to Colos. And then from Colos, we're told in Colossians, that the people were supposed to pass the letter on to the churches in Laodicea. The verse that talks about this makes me very nosy, very regretful of the ravages of time. Listen to it. And when this letter has been read among you, so Colossians, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. So Paul wrote another letter to Laodicea, but this letter no longer exists. And it's such a shame. I'd really love to know what was going on there. Just saying. But anyway, we can see from the content of Colossians that the church was really struggling with some false teaching. And this false teaching had an appearance of being reasoned, an appearance of being right. It seems to have combined the Jewish practices of observing special Jewish days and festivals like new moons and Sabbath days, uh, circumcision and kosher laws, with some sort of lowered understanding of the deity of Christ and some sort of supernatural teaching on angels, either worshiping the angels themselves or getting the angels to worship God on the people's behalf, something along those lines. But whatever the exact dimensions of these false teachings were, we know the result was that the Colossians and likely the Laodiceans were drifting away from the authority of Christ, instead relying on their own wisdom. The thought that Yeah, the gospel is a good starting place, but I've moved far beyond this now into higher realms of thought and spirituality. And that, we can be certain, is always a trap. Always. Every time. That's very good, Corey. Uh, You know, the the 27 books in the New Testament are, I believe... Uh, divinely inspired by the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I understand you're wanting to read the other letter to Laodiceans. <laughs> yes. I, I would just, too. Just out of pure curiosity. I mean, also, if we had some of the writings of the Old Testament prophets that didn't make it into the scripture yes. that weren't considered, like the Holy Spirit didn't see it, God didn't see it, you know, in his sovereignty to put them in the Old Testament, they were still words from God for certain people. And I am very curious. I would love to know what those were, but we're not privy to them. But there are letters <laughs> like the Book of Enoch is a letter. Um, another letter is, uh, you know, the, the you've got different, you've got yeah, Old Testament but, letters that yes. are very interesting. But I, I think it's important that we focus on reading and understanding what God put in. Definitely. Because that's important. That's definitely more, you know, the biblical, the biblical level is higher. It it definitely is. But even I think we need to separate the the prophecies of true prophets of God from the Apocrypha, not saying that the Apocrypha isn't important to read, but it's not, it's not prophetic in, in even the same way as like, we know that um, there were true prophets of God in the Old Testament, even the New Testament who were prophesying accurately. And yet those words of God's God weren't preserved for the church today, 
which is all fine and well, but they were still words of God. They were still accurate for that time, right? So that's, I'm really curious to know what the, I know I can never know. Okay? You're a scientist. I get it. I'm just curious. I am. You're a word scientist. Keeps my curiosity. <laughs> what, what? What was it? It's Very good, Corey. That is, that is excellent. And uh uh, I just want to say that you're going to have something real quickly coming up yeah. this month. Show it because it's, yeah. it's a great one. Yeah. So this is a World by Design Part 3. This is the newest installment. I'll tell you a little bit more about it on Monday's program, but it's going to be available later this month. It so, is. And I was yeah. there for all of that. And we did that together, but you did it. I was just watching and it was absolutely amazing. It's the best you've ever done. Anyway. Okay. Go on with the question now. All right. We have a question. We do have a question. Always on our Fridays with lots of people that love to play along. Okay. So Paul describes himself as a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. From the tribe of which tribe? Do we have the tribe of Benjamin, the tribe of Judah, or the tribe of Asher? This is a really easy question. Well, I'm it not just saying. depends. It just depends on how many times you've read the Bible, if you've read this portion at all, how good your memory is. Yeah. Yeah. It's but just do it, just do, your do it deductively. Yeah. Well, yeah. Do it deductively. Fortunately, I have a segment on this, so I, I should remember this. <laughs> so you should. You, you, remember you your should segment. remember this. You should remember this. Yeah. But it's not. Yeah. If you haven't read it before or, or, you know, it's one of those details that can easily slip by. Yes. Right? Because there's a lot of details. It, you know, how, how I like to remember it is Paul is of, his original name is Saul. That's how we first know of him mm-hmm. in the Bible. And he shares the same tribal allegiance, the same tribal family as the Saul, who was the first king of Israel. King Saul. Ah, so there's Which a clue. Benjamin. Benjamin. <laughs> <laughs> they answered together. Very good. All right. Well, if you also agreed that uh, he came from the tribe of Benjamin. Let's check it out in Philippians chapter 3, verse 5, where he's mid-sentence and he says, I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews concerning the law of Pharisee. There you go. Well, you can't get rid of me that fast. We got to remember that we are in the Bible guide sending mode and we want to get you ready for next year. So if you don't receive the Bible guide, I want to encourage you to do so. And may I pray that uh, God would help you to learn how to give to his work. Father, I pray today in Jesus name 
that you would touch the hearts of people around the world and that you would, wherever the world, they're watching us on the internet or whatever, Lord, that they would be stirred in their heart to give. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen.